Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have Cameron Murray, the sexiest man in the NRL. And what a good bloke he is. Uh, I enjoyed this chat, Rob. I really did. I always like to talk to people who are interested in doing more than just the one thing they're really, really good at. So to pick Cam's brain on uh, the things that he's starting to be interested in outside his sport and Obviously, he's dealing with a bit of a niggle at the moment, but looking forward to getting him back on the field. Cam, thank you so much for jumping on and uh, agreeing to have a chat with us this morning. Uh, we'd like to kick it off with a nice easy one for those who are listening. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really excited uh, for this chat. Um, I guess in the most simple form, my name is Cameron Murray and I play in the National Rugby League for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Hey, Locke and I were laughing before the show because... Locke's the softest bloke to ever play <laughs> footy and I'm probably second. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're up there with the two softest blokes going around. <laughs> but you've represented your country, you've represented New South Wales so early on in your career. Like, can you take us back to how did you get into rugby in the first place? I mean, oh, I, won't, I won't fucking ruin the story. You just mentioned that your fucking dad used to play and stuff like that. But yeah, if you could get into it and how it all started for you and when you knew that you were going to be a professional rugby player. Yeah, so like you said there, dad played um, a few games um, like me when he was growing up. He um, And I was kind of sort of that energetic sort of kid, um, probably borderline ADHD actually. And um, mum and dad thought the best cure for that was just to throw me into as much sport as possible. So I started out at um, athletics first when I was really young. I think I was only three years old, but I always loved footy uh, and obviously dad always had the footy playing on in the background and I was always a big South supporter so he took me down to his local junior club mascot Jets when I was four years old and never looked back. Fuck. When did you know like you were when you played as a junior like were you one of those people who was just a gun as a junior and then you just sort of went up through the ranks and represented it like representative teams and got to go through the pathways was it sort of a normal like follow whatever the journey or pathway set out for rugby was for you? Yeah, I guess you could. Um, I guess you could say that. I, I kind of, um, yeah, I just loved footy so much. It was just I lived and breathed it when I was young, and um, it was just such a passion of mine. So um, I guess naturally, because I loved it so much, I practiced it so much, and uh, yeah, I progressed through the age groups at, at mascot. And I think the first sort of representative um, year was on the thirteens. They do like a junior bunnies kind of thing, and. I was lucky I grew up in the South District as well. So, um, yeah, I got my first opportunity to wear the red and green when I was 13 years old. And it was only kind of like a round robin kind of, um, you know, not too serious kind of um, representative. But but to me, it was um, massive. So, uh, yeah, as I got older, I just kept sort of progressing through um, the representative sort of ranks for, for South and started to get a little bit more serious in 16s and 18s. And... Yeah, I was lucky to debut um, for the Bunnies when I was 19 years old then. So, yeah. That's unreal. Because being from Melbourne, like our, our pathways and like talking about like AFL footy, like we had the under-18s competition, the national or the junior competition, like TAC Cup. Like I, I played for Quarter Cannons, which was like a, didn't have a feeder team directly into one of the league teams. You have to get drafted and whatever. How does the different pathways work for rugby? So you have always been around um, – the Rabbitohs as a junior program, and then you still got you get to progress through the ranks. So it's more like like English Premier League soccer. Is that is that sort of more how it works? Yeah, probably. Look, I'm actually not too familiar um, 
with how like the draft and stuff works with the AFL. But um, yeah, I was just, I'm super lucky. I played for um, the, a junior club um, that feeds into sort of the South District and I just progressed through the ranks there. I never really had to travel too much. I didn't have to get, you know, drafted or anything. It was kind of just a progressive thing. And I guess if you were good enough, you got picked in the rep sides. And um, if you showed enough persistence and dedication, you just kept playing for, I guess, um, you know, the bunnies. So yeah, I was, I was, I'm so lucky and I'm still so lucky now. Like there's not a lot of players in the NRL that can say they grew up playing in the same, in the district that um, they first debuted for in the NRL and are still playing for now. So yeah. And I, I've also locked up my um, future with the club for the next four years too. So I'm just in such a lucky position. I'm so grateful for everything that's come my way and yeah, really enjoying life at the moment. Because that you never leave the postcode, mate. No, hundred percent, mate. Yeah, no, down here, mate. Good and bad thing, probably. But well, yeah. tell us about like representing your country, then, like and New South Wales. What came first? Was it the Origin or the, or the Kangaroos? Like, what's yeah. that? What's yeah. that? Diff- it's a different challenge. Yeah, I guess everything's a different challenge. Every sort of level is a different challenge. Origin's a different beast. It's probably the pinnacle of um, anyone who plays rugby league. Um, sort of it's kind of like the top tier sort of thing that you know you want to play as a kid and um, coming through the ranks and obviously playing NRL um, yeah it's the it's the thing you want to play and obviously um, majority of sort of the um, breeding ground I guess for um, NRL players is sort of Queensland and New South Wales so there's always that rivalry there and yeah Origin's a different beast it's something that's hard to explain but uh, something that I've been fortunate enough to play uh, four games for currently so yeah that first year that I played it's um you know t- trying to think back now and you know remember I can't even remember half of it there was so much adrenaline and emotion running around and yeah it was uh, it was a pretty special sort of uh, moment for me but uh yeah it was a it's, it's a massive challenge to step up from NRL and then obviously representing your country is another step up uh there so um, yeah, I, I played, I've only played one game for Australia and we played a pretty red hot Tonga side and they actually beat us um, in Auckland in front of who, uh, 40 or 50,000 um, of their fans. So as disappointing as, as it was, it was a pretty good experience playing in front of a crowd like that. Um, yeah, incredible. Get a taste, I suppose. But tell us about preparing for something like that. Like, how do you how do you set yourself up for games like that? Are you one to just like chill out, um, do all the like, preparation earlier in the week, or are you like night before just thinking o- about it? OCD prep, you know, yeah. lining up the boots, line up the yeah. boots, the socks, the shorts. No, not quite that OCD. <laughs> a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my routine, though. So I like to tick off. I guess everything that uh, I'm used to doing in my preparation. Um, But when it comes to sort of mentally preparing, I kind of sort of zone out a little bit. I guess my dealing mechanism with a big game like that is just to not think about it too much and just sort of um, fall back on on the confidence of my preparation. And and that's why I'm such a perfectionist, I think, in my routines and my preparation. So, you know, I'm one of those guys, if I think about something too much, I'll you know, I'll play the game in my head before I run out and all my energy will be zapped and stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, as a, as a sort of, I guess, is my fourth and fifth year in the NRL now, I guess you can say I'm, you know, reasonably experienced in the NRL now. I've kind of found my niche there in terms of uh, my preparation and my routine when it comes to big games. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of sort of a zone out, chill out, not think about it till, you know, I really need to think about it just before the game. 
What about, what about some of the things maybe that you've either learned or adapted over the, over the time you mentioned like four or five years in, you got a new four year contract, like what, what's changed since day one, you coming in, is it, is there a different level of professionalism? Is it more, you've just been around the, the game a bit longer. You've found out what works for you. What are some of the things that you might've changed up along the way? Yeah. So um, I think I'm definitely a lot more professional than I was when I first started. Um, it was all a bit of a fantasy when I first started and I was just happy to be playing NRL. Um, but now I guess um, there's, I guess, height, more heightened ambition now to sort of um, do stuff like win a competition and um, create a legacy um, with the players that I'm playing with at the moment um, and just get the best out of myself as possible. So, yeah, I guess um, everything that I do now um, is sort of, you know, every minute of the day is sort of tailored to putting out my best performance um, in the 80 minutes that we play at the end of the week. And I, I can't always say that um, my preparation was like that uh, as a kid growing up and um, when I first started NRL. So I guess a lot more professional. Um, I think the game's a lot more demanding now. It's a lot faster than I was when I first sort of um, started. There's a lot of, there's, a, there's been a few rule changes um, of late that sort of sped up the game. So there's no room for um, complete, like miscomplacency and uh, stuff like that. You really just have to make sure that you're on every, every week, every week. So yeah, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's intense, but I uh, wouldn't change it. I love it. That's sick. What about like a normal week? So for those who are listening, you're the first, you're the first we've had on from a rugby background. What does a, as a professional athlete coming in, um, for those who are listening at home, if we go, yes, a helicopter out a little bit, can you walk us through a normal week for you? If it, say the game's on a Saturday, what, what happens on from Monday through to in Saturday in the lead up of the game? How do you, what's training? You talk about Pilates, recovery, diet. How does it, how does a normal week look like for you? Yeah, sure. So obviously um, it depends on like the turnaround. So um, say for this example, would you say it's a normal seven day turnaround? Obviously when it's a shorter turnaround, you do less training. When it's a longer turnaround, you do more. Um, and every club's different. Some clubs go like a, you know, train like day on day off kind of situation. Others do, you know, a little bit different, but um, us this year, we've kind of adopted that day on day off kind of approach. Normally after we finish the previous game, uh, the week before we'll have, you know, up to two days off um, for a seven day turnaround. And then we'll, we'll have our main training day normally on uh, the Monday or Tuesday um and that's pretty intense it's um it's probably ticking off the stuff that we didn't do as well the game before and um, a bit of maintenance uh, training on the field and then we'll go in and do a pretty intense weight session um and then there'll be like uh scheduled meetings around that for review of the previous game um preview for um who we're coming up against next uh and then there's um always we've got a couple of physios that are always there uh, making sure that uh, everyone's bodies have been fine-tuned and um, ready for the next week. Uh, and then we'll probably have a day off and then, um, yeah, we'll train again, depending on the turnaround, depending on how hard we train. Um, sometimes in the days off, we'll go and do some individual need stuff. So if someone needs um, more cardio, they'll do an extra cardio session. Someone needs to get put on a bit of weight, they'll do a hypertrophy session in the gym. Um, and if people like me need maintenance work, they'll do like yoga or Pilates, which is what I'm doing today. 
Um, yeah, and then we'll do our final sort of captain's run training session the day before, which is just like a 45-minute run through. Who, who's a player on your team that spends the most time with the physio? Uh, um, we've got a few. Um, Always or, getting taped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, that's probably me, to be honest. <laughs> I get both my shoulders done, both my ankles done. <laughs> so probably cost the club a fortune in tape builds every year, but... Um, just for the looks, yeah. Never had an <laughs> never had a shoulder injury, yeah. nothing. Just like the way the tape looks. Just an OCD about if I get something strapped and I play good, then I need to get shoved again. If I even if I don't have an injury there, so. Oh, I like that. So you got you got the superstitions and stuff like that. A little bit, you know, a little bit. Probably not as bad as some other people get it, but you could probably say a little slightly superstitious, yeah. I, I, you know what I'd make my superstition? Getting a massage every day. <laughs> you know, I'll play well. I'll get the hour massage every day. That's good. I'll stick with that routine, huh? Hey, you, you, you want to know about the ta- tackles? Yeah, I want to know about the tackles because I've never been able to lay a, a good tackle in my life. Neither has Robbie, really, to be honest. So I want to know, like, with AFL, it's sort of all directions, so it's a bit different. But for rugby, like, what's the perfect technique? Like, I went to school at... Uh, in Arenbank, whatever, and we had a lot of uh, rugby sort of people there. And they told me about this um, one when they're coming in to tackle you. If you're getting tackled, you can just throw the elbow straight into the back of the, the shoulder. And that's sort of the, the sort of tactic that they used to use. Is, does that happen uh, at higher level and stuff like that? Is there some little things there? Yeah, I'm sure there's, a, there's some little techniques that guys sort of develop in their game to um, like a little competitive advantage or whatever you want to call it. But for me, I'm kind of, I like an old school tackle. There's a lot of wrestle in our game now that kind of ruins a good sort of old school tackle. But um, I like going, you know, low and um, and there's a, there's a few boys in our team that do it really well. But it's kind of just stepping in, same foot, same shoulder um, around the hips and then, um, yeah, do your best from there. Because I'm, I'm worried. Like, I watch, like, you you play lock, yeah, second row and all that sort of stuff. Like you're, you're a big boy in the, in, you know, in the heat. Like, I'm surprised there's not that many injury as many injuries because I was just like it's body collisions. Yeah, it's just collisions, and it's just like it looks like the technique's just so spot on, like it avoids any type of like heavy shit like that. Yeah, well, I guess you probably like to say that, but there is probably an ugly side of um, of that, especially when there's a lot of fatigue. There's a few head knocks and stuff like that, but for the most part, the boys sort of know how to escape injury, like in the middle there. So. Is there any ones that, like, when you see them, anyone that like, you play against, your job is to fucking stand there and when they come at you, like, anyone you're thinking, fuck, I hope he doesn't run at me. <laughs> uh, there's a few players that are pretty tough to tackle. Jason Tamalolo is pretty hard. He's a big boy. He's probably got better footwork than, you know, most of the little zippy guys, so he's hard to tackle. There's a few just massive players that, you know, <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to, to run, to run over you but um yeah it's kind of do your best there um with some players hey we were doing a bit of stalking to in the lead up for this chat and we we're all it had was cam murray's hot cam murray's this cam murray's sexy and we we're just going the channel nine package huh? <laughs> yeah the channel nine package is funny as it was just two minutes of all your teammates just saying how good looking you are and it's just it, how's that been is that hard to deal yeah, with is that, that hard to deal with I just run with it, mate. I don't know. I just, I don't even know where it came from. I think Dan and Kemp from Bloke in a Bar kind of started it and everyone's just jumped on the back of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like a quiet, more shy type of guy as, as you guys can probably tell. And especially compared to like the average footballer who's normally like the extra, extroverted sort of larrikin kind of guy. So I don't know. I kind of just like 
smile and go along with it. It's pretty funny sometimes. So. What, what about like other opportunities outside of sport? Like we're looking for the AFL perspective, like Dustin Martin, we're seeing him on billboards doing ads with bonds and all that sort of stuff. Is, is extra stuff like that interesting to you? Like, do you, do you like doing things like that? Like um, just sort of getting out the sport and, and branding yourself? Yeah, I guess it's something I've thought about um, pretty recently. It's something that, and also something that I really haven't sort of, um, I guess, taken advantage of or seen any, any massive opportunities in that space at the moment. But it's definitely something that I love to explore down the track. Um, you know, I'm pretty big sort of um, advocate off the field um, for rugby players to sort of, you know, building strength, other streams of income and, um, you know, leveraging off the brand that they have now, especially with, um, you know, uh, you know, the Instagram and all the social stuff and, and building sort of a brand outside of footy. A lot of players current and, and retired are doing it really well at the moment. So, uh, yeah, there's a massive opportunity, I think, for, you know, not just someone like me, but, but a lot of players that are taking advantage of it. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely something I'd love to explore down, down the track. What are some of the things you're interested in outside of outside of footy? Like, you, you hold, it seems like for a, such a footy family, sporting family, you mentioned your sister's not playing at the club this year, but was there last year with you. Your old man played for the same club. Like, what are uh, such a strong footy family? What are what are the things that make you tick outside of footy? Yeah, so I'm really into uh, I guess my personal development, and and I feel like I've got such a great opportunity now that that I don't want to sort of, you know, look back in 10 years time and, and think to myself that I didn't take advantage of it. So uh, I've been lucky that, you know, I've got a few sort of mentor figures in my life that have introduced me to some really cool people. And, you know, some people that you've actually had on your podcast that Tristan Hay is actually, he lives just up the road for me and we catch up um, every now and then. He's a, he's a weapon in his space. He's a good dude, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's, he loves behind the scenes, doesn't he? He doesn't like getting in front of the, the camera too much, does he? <laughs> Bit, he's a bit mysterious and I actually don't, couldn't even tell you what he does even after I listened to the episode that he... <laughs> I'll say that, yeah. The international man of mystery. He is. But yeah, he's been great for me. He, he, he introed me to Nick Crocker, who you've also had um, on your podcast that I'm a big fan of. And um, I was lucky. I got introduced to a few weapons in sort of the VC sort of community. So um, Matt DeBoer, who I think Tristan mentioned, he started um, Athletic Ventures... Um, and I was lucky to sort of, um, I guess, be in the sort of founding group of Athletic Ventures. So that's kind of taken up a lot of my time outside of footy and uh, something that really interests me um, at the moment and something I don't know too much about actually. At, um, but I'm learning a lot, which, which I really like. And uh, so, so that, sort of, that, that sort of side of things um, takes up a lot of time and um, I'm, I'm learning a lot there. I try to sort of read as many books as I can personal and self-development um like I said I, I catch up with as many people as I as I can to sort of um surround myself with um a lot of things that I probably wouldn't be surrounded by um you know just being that sort of footy player rocking up to training every day so yeah I'm trying to do as much as I can off the footy field just to take advantage of the opportunity that I have now so um yeah hopefully and you're surrounding yourself with some smart people yeah what's, what's it been like being in, in part of um athletic ventures like they're obviously <clears throat> you guys in the group and people that are they're in that are making some big waves there i think it's like from an outsider's perspective athletes are hungry they're competitive they're 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 more they're happy to take a few risks because they can i think if they put a good performance in they can see what the results would be because their results are orientated like 
entering that group with a with a with a I guess forming that group with the people that you did, I, I just feel like you're gonna crush other people yeah. in the industry because people aren't like they're not they don't they're not built the same. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's true. I think um, we have a lot of competitive advantages in that sort of sense. And, you know, everything that I've sort of come across um, in that world, I can I can draw so many parallels to, you know, what we do in high, high level and professional sport. And it complements, you know, the stuff that I do at training as well as the stuff that I do off it. So, you know, even though I haven't had, and, and, and people who are part of athletic ventures like me haven't probably had a lot of business and sort of startup experience, I think, they bring a lot of values to the table that um, are pretty unique to elite sport. So, yeah, it's um, there. There are a lot of parallels. I think um, a lot of sort of startups and and um, founders love the fact that there's a group of um, athletes in a syndicate willing to invest in their product because they bring those competitive advantages, like you said. And um, yeah, it's just a it's just a great space to be around. I'm learning so much. There's I, I I love all the sort of I love bouncing off like the all the ambition that founders sort of um, um, have. It's just it's it's such a sort of like feel good community, and 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 I think there's a lot of opportunity there in the future. So something that I'm really excited about. What what are the cool ones you've been involved in so far, or since you since you've joined? What are the what are the interesting businesses that have come across um, your plate? Um, so eucalyptus is, was our, um, one of our portfolio companies that, um, yeah, that's really interesting. I met Tim Doyle, um, last year, sort of around the time that I met sort of, um, Nick and Tristan and, um, yeah, he's a weapon. He's a, he's a really interesting guy and sounds like he's doing really good stuff. So that's, um, that's been a real privilege to be a part of, um, another one of our portfolio companies, Guzmani Gomez. Yeah, that's a, I've seen that oh, one. That's gone bananas. Oh, I love that. Is it free Mexican for life? What's surely. the, what's surely you get one of the, is there a special card they make for you and you go there and just pick out? No, nah, not yet. Not yet. I haven't added enough value, I don't think. So uh, <laughs> the good thing about that is it's actually a post-game uh, feed for the for the bunnies. So I've, I've um, um, tried to sort of work in Manny um, Gomez into the club and all the boys love it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great that um, you get have a fat burrito after your um after your performance so it's a good post-game meal <laughs> i was gonna say you share a nachos just the grubby hands all in the tub huh? straight after the game bang <laughs> no one's washed bit of guacamole just licking off the fingers no karmas <laughs> but that, that company specifically has gone bananas recently they're in the news they're constantly in the news cool things going on like what, what sort of involvement like what do you what's expected of you guys to do when you come into being involved with one of the investments like this? Um, so I don't, there's no sort of official obligations. It's more or less like what you feel comfortable um, doing. Um, I think for Guzmani Gomez, the thing that we really added value to was um, one of their uh, marketing campaigns was um, clean is the new healthy. I think it is. That was their sort of tagline and aligning themselves with a group of elite athletes kind of, um, I guess prove that um, if, if athletes are eating their food then um, you know it proves that you know they're clean they're healthy and um, yeah they're sort of they're, they're doing everything they're saying they're doing and um, even for um, not only Guzmani Gomez but other companies aligning with elite athletes and knowing that um, you know they're sort of backing uh, founders and, and, st and startups like that I think it just it, it it adds so much value. And then you've also got sort of the um, 
value on um, athletes reach and individual athletes reach on their socials and stuff like that so um, it's up to us but you know we can share as much or as less as we want on our socials too which sort of appeals to our own communities too so there's a lot of value out there for from an athlete's perspective oh i love that um tell me about what you eat because i've got a shocking diet and i need some help and you look like <laughs> a, a fit lad so what type of meals are you eating throughout the week is it clean all the time is it a bit of dirty kfc every now and then like what's the go um so like i said before i'm a i'm a man of routine so um I try to eat it. I try to eat pretty clean and healthy throughout the week. Um, we're lucky we get our lunches supplied at training, so we don't have to think too much about it um, when we're at training. But um, yeah, it's pretty healthy and clean throughout the week. And then, um, you know, depending how well I play in the weekend sort of dictates how much I'll splurge on my cheat meal. Um, but so you get one, one cheat meal. Yeah, no, or it's normally the weekend. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not as sort of strict on the weekend, but more or less it's, you know, one or two cheat meals on the week, on the weekend, and then it's back into the routines on Monday. Well, we're the opposite. We have one or two cheat meals a day, and then probably <laughs> yeah. one, one I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, we're not weighing spinach, are we? Nah. Nah. We're not, count, uh, <laughs> not counting we calories. Do, we need to do something because it's yeah. not. Well, I'm, I'm just going to look at your Instagram for some inspiration, Cam, because. You're a fucking specimen and I need to eat better, you know? Cooking with Cam. Cooking with Cam. There you go. There's a segment. Yeah, I love, love that. <laughs> <laughs> like we mentioned before, like we were laughing, like born in 1998. You're still so young. You've done all the, you've, you've been able to hit, I don't know, things that people would dream of, of being able to achieve when they start out as a junior, but you've still got so much career left ahead of you. What are some of the things that you're hoping to knock off or what are some of the things you'd like to achieve or position yourself for a career after footy, all those sort of good things? as you move forward? Yeah, sure. So uh, obviously I haven't won a competition yet and um, that's something that's probably number one um, on my radar and I know it is for everyone at the club at, at South Sydney. And um, so, yeah, that's probably number one in terms of a performance sort of um, goal. Uh, and it's a lot easier said than done. You know, I've made, I've made three sort of prelim fi finals in a row um, the one before the grand final and I haven't made it. So um, I guess it just adds a bit of fuel to the fire, but it's something that I really want to want to achieve. Um, and that's probably it in terms of sort of like a performance um, goal. Obviously, if I'm ticking off those goals for the club, I'm playing good footy, then representative footy will come. So um, I guess it's not really on my sort of radar or, or, or goal sort of um Radar, it's more of a perform for my club and good things will come on the field for that. Uh, in terms of off the field, I just, I want to keep doing um, what I'm doing now, keep speaking to, to really good people, keep involving myself in stuff that um, adds to my personal development and sort of, um, I guess, grasps and takes advantage of the opportunity I have now. So um, like I said before, I don't want to look back and, 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 and not, um, be proud of the stuff that I've done off the field. So I want to keep doing that and I want to sort of keep sort of ticking, um, you know, ticking all, all my goals off off the field um, in terms of my investing and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think the more that I sort of network, the more that I, you know, sort of lean on my mentors, the, the more I have an idea of what I want to do after footy, which I don't really know what I want to do yet. So yeah, it's pretty simple for me, but um yeah it's i guess just keep doing what i'm doing now and um just do it better i guess so 
you, you mentioned before smashing through reading some different books what's on the bookshelf at the moment anything that anything you've read that you wanted to say i love this one um i'm reading this book called freakonomics at the moment it's pretty interesting it's about like um it's about sort of like um, hum, human incentives and how different incentives affect um, human behavior. And I guess that's the, that's the most simple way I can describe it, but that's a, it's a pretty cool book. It's pretty interesting. My all time favorites will probably have to be Shoe Dog um, from Phil Jackson, the, um, the, oh, was it Phil? No, Phil Knight, um, the Nike founder and um, Bob Iger, the ride of a lifetime. That was pretty good too. So I've read that one. I've, I've done the Phil Knight one from, from Nike and I've heard of Freakonomics, but I'm going to get my phone because I want to... What have you been reading? Uh, I've nothing. been... Nah, nothing really lately. The School of Life. Anything? Have you read The School of Life? Nah, what's that one? Bro, it is the best best way to... Cons- it's like emotional intelligence stuff. I'll send you a link after this. I'll put it in the show notes and stuff, but I read that shit all the time. They're just like articles. Oh, okay. um, so they're real quick reads, like five minutes and stuff. And it's yeah. just... I don't know. It's just you can consume it easy, and there's practical tips. You know, one of them it's the deep, deep thinkers or whatever the ones. Great called. thinkers. Great thinkers. It's like a, a bunch philosophy, of yeah. philosophy book where it's like a chapter on each uh, like great thinker throughout the period of time and what they brought to the table and shit. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. How good. Yeah. How good. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us about like what about other players around you seeing that you're doing this stuff off the field? Have you become sort of a role model in that sense for the younger players coming through and they're going, oh fuck, cams involving himself in a bunch of different things and setting himself up outside of that. Have you found other people sort of jumping on board and, and getting around that? Uh, yeah, it's a lot better now, I think, than it was probably five, 10 years ago before I started. Um, I guess, Sam, I think Sam Burgess, who I sit, sat next to and who I first sort of, um, you know, was sort of my first kind of mentor, especially when he first came over from England. He, he, I think he was kind of the pioneer for someone like me in terms of making sure um you know you're setting yourself up um after footy and you know he's <laughs> run into a bit of a roadblock now but um he's done he, he he had done really well when i when i first um started at the bunnies so he got my mind racing and i think that um i think i've got a responsibility now to um share the opportunities that i'm running into now and kind of be a leader in terms of um exposing those opportunities to the boys um at training now because I, I think it's a great opportunity um, to sell yourself up for the future. So yeah, there, there's a few boys that ask a few questions and, and I don't think I actually, I actually haven't really done that much off the field yet. I, I've got an interest in it, but um, results kind of haven't proven, you know, I guess my ambition off the field. So um, I guess I just need to sort of um, do more in, in terms of um, developing sort of what I'm doing off the field to, to be a role model for younger boys coming through. And that just kind of drives my ambition as well. So yeah, there's a there's 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 a lot of boys that um, have have a great opportunity like me and who probably aren't taking advantage of it. So it's something that I'd love to drive over the next couple of years um, at the at the rabbits. Being being in those elite sporting environments, it's quite easy to fall into a, a trap of it's my job. I go to work. I do I do my thing. I go home and oh, I've got all this extra free time. I'll just go and fucking hang out, do this, or I'll go out for drinks, or go see mates, or whatever, and. Does it, do you think it helps you now that you're interested more in like your personal development stuff, you're interested in investing, you're finding things that, that keeps your mind busy, that allows you to maybe it's like switch off and focus on something else rather than just like performance, performance, performance? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's, 
you know, one of the best things that I do off the field to complement what I do on it. It, it gives me a way out of footy and it, it gives me sort of a break. Uh, and, you know, luckily enough, it's, you know, it's not a waste of time. It's actually investing in, in um, like you said, my personal development and my future. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough for anyone who sort of wants to sort of, um, you know, sort of delve in that space because uh, I think it complements um, elite sport um, immensely. So, you, you, you mentioned earlier you're sitting, you've you've got an ankle injury at the moment. Um, you how many weeks you got off? Four to six. Yeah, four, well, yeah, it was four <coughs> to six weeks recovery. I did it two weeks ago, so hopefully, you know, around two, maybe three weeks to go. Love to go into the the mental aspect of like mental health of going dealing with injury and setback. Is this something that you've had to experience much in your career? Like having injuries that have maybe derailed seasons or stopped you from being able to perform at whatever level you'd like to perform at? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I've actually been pretty lucky myself. Um, again, in this aspect, I haven't um, sort of run into too many major injuries and especially compared to a lot of other players, um, haven't really sort of had to deal with a lot of setbacks. This is probably, this is probably the longest sort of setback I've had during a season. And last season I tore my hammy in the first origin. So I, um, I had to sit that out as well, which was tough and which was kind of the first sort of, um, major injury that I sort of had to sit through and watch, um, and watch footy. So, yeah, it's um, it's a hard one. I probably don't have any advice to give anyone because I haven't really sort of um, had to deal with it a lot. I guess what what helped me last year was it was a massive year. We we were thrown in a bubble for you know a, a large chunk of our season and our you know our freedom got sort of cut in half and you know we were allowed to go to training and, and we were allowed to sit at home and that's about it. So it was a big season. It was an extended season too, and Origin was at the end of that that year so uh, when I tore my hammy I kind of I found a bit of gratitude in the fact that um, you know when your body needs a rest and you're not resting it it kind of forces itself to have a rest so uh, I found peace with that injury because I think my body just needed it and that's kind of the mindset I've tried to adapt now it's been a pretty intense first three months in the NRL so um, you know, I guess it's just an opportunity to rest my body to to get you know all the you know the smaller other niggle injuries right and make sure that you know I'm ticking off everything that I need to do every day for my rehab, my recovery, um, and my return to play um, to make sure that you know I'm I'm in better stead uh, when I return uh, versus when you know I got injured. So I guess everything's an opportunity and the way that you look at stuff so it sort of dictates how you know how well you get through it and that's kind of the way that I've tried to sort of approach this injury listening to your body does experience only help with that like over the years where you're like oh hang on I need to know when to have a rest or you might know in the back of your mind like I probably shouldn't be playing like I'm pretty cooked like can I really give it 100% and, and have that sort of doubt in the back of your mind now is it just more like no I really need to like you were saying like moving forward is it just like no if I need a rest I need a rest yeah, 100%. And I don't, I don't think I'm quite there yet in terms of um, the most experienced players and how well they sort of know their body and how in tune they are with everything that goes on. I'm probably still a little bit of a rookie when it comes to that and I've got a lot to learn. Um, you know, but you see the older players um, and they just know what they need to do in the gym. They know what recovery they need to do. They know what, you know, mental stimulation they sort of need to go through to make sure that they're right. Um you know, for, for the weekend. So, 
yeah, it's definitely something that comes with experience. I'm not quite there yet, but, um, you know, hopefully I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close. So. Hey, hey our, our partner of the show is Heaps Normal, non-alcoholic beer. And um, their, their, their thing that we, we like to pr- pr- um, talk to the guests on our show is around what's your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing that gives you energy back in your life, helps recharge your batteries? What's the thing that you turn to uh, if you're looking, you're feeling like you need to recharge those batteries a bit? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm actually a big fan of Heat's Normal too. I've got a few in the fridge at the moment. Non-alcoholic beers, only thing I can drink while I'm injured, so it works well there. But um, what's my Heat's Normal? Um, outside of footy, I like to sort of relax a bit. So uh, we've got a family farm that we head down to. Um, it's about two and a half hours south of Sydney. That really recharges my batteries. I love the you know the peace and quiet of um, you know sitting on a in a paddock um, away from everyone, just around a fire. So, you know, that really helps. Uh, I don't live too far from the beach. So try to go for, you know, a swim at the beach every now and then, cause I feel like that recharges and resets um, my batteries when I need it. Um, and then I guess family time really helps me as well. I've got a dog that doesn't live with me that I miss a lot um, cause he lives with mom and dad. So I'll go and see him um, every now and then cause he's sort of, um, He's really good for my mental health as well. So yeah, there's a few things there that I'm a heaps normal. What type of dog? It's a cattle dog. It's the it's the yeah it's a red cattle dog. It's probably the um, the most sort of inner city living cattle dog you've ever seen. <laughs> heaps normal. You you're you're taking baths. Well, yeah, that's my normal. Yeah, when I recharge the batteries, I just put the bath on, a couple of bubbles, and just chill out. Check my phone and stress out for the next half an hour. <laughs> Answer some emails in the bath. Yeah, I called him. I called him the other day, and it was like we'd had a big, we'd had a big weekend. We've been working, like we had things on, so it wasn't really like we had a day off. But it was, it was like late afternoon on a, on a, on a Monday, like still within hours. I call him, I Facetime him, and I just see his, his fucking bald head's all wet and shit sitting. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, you're on the clock. I'm on the clock. <laughs> I'm in the bath, mate. I'm like, I'm replying to emails in the bath. Yeah. We're just recharging. Got to recharge your bath. Yeah, so any Epsom salts in there to, to recharge the muscles and stuff like that or? Oh, no, hundred percent, man. I used to work at, um, did you, have you ever done the, a float? Like at a float tank center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon uh, of them? Yeah, I love them. They're the best. It was freaky when I first got in there. I didn't actually know you were going to float. I thought you were just sitting there and I started floating, freaked out. But it's, it's a cool experience. And if you shave or anything, if you've got any little cuts, it just fucking stings, man. Yeah, it stings. Yeah. Well, you worked there. Yeah, I worked there. But like I was floating like twice, like two hours every day. So I was like fucking, <laughs> I was zen as fuck. Seriously, come over from work and I'd be like, what's going on, bro? He's like, I don't even remember how I got home. I just floated. (laughs) Two hour float a day. Do you have them? um, What are them things that you put on your fucking legs when you recover? They're big moon boot things that they massage you and shit. What is that? Yeah, it's kind of, they're called the Normatec boots. I've actually got a pair in the background here. Um, I use them every now and then. Um, Yeah, they're pretty good. We've got like that. We've got, I don't know if you worked, we worked at, we go to like recovery centers as well. That helps. Like we do infrared saunas, cryotherapy, oxygen chamber. And then sometimes we do like the floats as well, which is really good. What's cryo like? Yeah, it's intense. Like you can do like spot cryo on like injuries where it's just like a gun that kind of like, get like sort of targets a specific area or you can like get into the actual chamber and it's, um yeah, it's pretty intense. It's three minutes and it gets pretty cold in there, but. 
I've never done one of the cryo things, but I, I'd be interested to, to try it. I want to try all that shit. I want to yeah. get like fucking Chinese medicine. I want all that stuff. Do you, do you outsource all that sort of, or is, or is it like liaising with the club doctors and um, physios and stuff? Or is it like, can you go and look and go, oh, I'm interested in that. Like if you really want to do some outside sort of research, I suppose. Um, yeah, you can you can do whatever you want, really. I don't. The club probably won't subsidize the experimental stuff you want to go and do. But um, I'm actually I go to a place in the city, Cultivate Recovery, um, two times a week because of the injury that I have now, and I just get spot cry there. And the club the club pays for that because I'm injured. So yeah, it's pretty good. Is it? What about like athletes outside of your sport? Is there who who are some of the like your inspirations and stuff that you draw on and whether it's within the same code or different codes that you look up to or have looked up to since you're a kid? Um, I think at the moment, Matt DeBoer is probably, a, I think, a pretty good leader for someone like me. He's doing great stuff off the field and um, everything he's done around athletic ventures. I've got so much respect for everything that he's done. Uh, in terms of role models um, in other sports, I'm, um, you know, I probably don't watch that much sport. I like tennis, so I've always loved Roger Federer. Um, yeah, good to fed. Oh, humble. Yeah, love him, love him. Uh, Do you play tennis? No, not really. Not good anyway. <laughs> two arms are too big. Shoulders are too <laughs> Shoulders big. Shoulders are too big. Yeah, I feel like I'm just so, like, so specified to rugby league now. I go and try and play tennis and get, like, tennis elbow after three shots. Like, it's... Yeah, it's not good for my body. <laughs> That's right. I feel like if we're going to compete in something, we're going to challenge you to a game that you're not good at. Yeah, you know? 100%. Yeah. 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 Not the run through. You know, any of those videos you see on like, like in the NFL and stuff, or I don't know if you've seen them on Instagram where they line up one on either side and one's with the ball and you're going to try and run through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's intense. I, I don't want to play that with you. No, I reckon you'd fucking <laughs> kill me. You know, I used to love growing up watching play for the Melbourne Storm, D- Dallas Johnson. Yeah. He was a warrior. Bro, he played locked, didn't he? He was a tackle fucking machine. And he wasn't that big, was he? No, no, no. He was he was kind of I guess, he was one of the sort of the first sort of modern day kind of lock players. Um, yeah, he was he was a warrior. Fuck. Well man, thank you so much for one jumping on and having a chat with us this morning. Before we let you go, what's what's on for the rest of this year? What what, what do you see? It's we're middle of the year now, six months to go. Uh, what's on your plate? Yeah, so um, like I said before, I'll probably I've just I'll be doing everything I can um, in my sort of corner to make sure that um, we're successful um, as a club and organisation. Um, so hopefully, you know, we um, we go pretty deep into the finals this year, and um, hopefully, it's um, you know this year is the year of the bunny, uh, and it'll be good to our coach. It's his last year too, and um, it'd be good to send him off on a good note. Um, off the field, I kind of I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, developing my knowledge around sort of the um, startups and, and and tech investing and stuff like that. Um, I want to sort of um, I've sort of I want to get a, a more sort of solid plan around um, you know uh, my investment plan over the next four years because uh, obviously four years in elite sport um, you don't really get that guarantee a lot of the time. So I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can there and. Um, yeah, other than that, I just, you know, I want to play good footy, have fun. Love that. Get the ankle right. We'll be watching closely, mate. Hopefully the rabbits get up and you can send the coach off on a good note and, and fucking party on. But uh, it's been so awesome picking your brain, man, and hearing about your journey and some of the insights. And we really appreciate you jumping on and shooting the shit with us. 
No worries, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Cam Murray, I want his autograph. I want a photo. I wanted his big poster on my bedroom wall. I, I love the man. Would you Would you have him framed above your bed? I would. If I went for the Rabbitohs, oh, 100%, bro. 100%. There's a bit of, a bit of family pride in that club, isn't there? There is. There is. Uh, they're showing the love. I don't know. They're keeping it. They're keeping it close knit. They're keeping it in house. But uh, it was good to have someone on from the NRL who's a rugby player, uh, doing some good good stuff. Like he's young as, and I don't know. It's just it's good to look at. It's if you're a young kid coming through the ranks, and it seems like he does all the all the right things. So he's a bit of a smooth unit. So I like that. You know, yeah, nice I'm, refreshing change. Me too, mate. I feel I feel like it's uh, one of those things that real times have changed a little bit. Speaking mm. to him, you know, mm. in, in a good way, positive way. I agree. Hey, I too if, if, you, if you like this pod, tell a mate, send this episode to someone else. And if you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, probably do that too. And if you like <laughs> the rest of the episodes, guest episodes drop Monday, Thursday, snacks, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, deep dive coming at you hot every fortnight on a Friday afternoon. I like the way I ended that. That was uh, A grade. Thanks. See you tomorrow.